You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have everyone with us once again, recording live on this Wednesday night. We have a lot on tap, including special announcements at the end of the show. We're marching towards the NFL draft. We've got a lot to cover tonight, including a very special guest, which we will get to in just a minute. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. John, how you doing, bud? Big week. Big week indeed, and not, my hair is is slowly fading into unappearable. So um, uh, is, we're we're just hanging in there, but we we have we have a great company tonight for sure. Yeah, we we've uh, you know the world's been dealing with a lot, but you know we've been keeping it tuned in here on the Bengals podcast, getting you a lot of different interviews and getting you as much information as possible. And like I said, as I teased at the beginning. We have a very, very special guest. He can't see what I'm wearing. I'm, I'm fanboying out. I've got an Icky Shuffle shirt on for the occasion. Bengals running back, Pro Bowler Icky Woods, member of the 1988 championship, AFC championship team. Mr. Woods, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Hanging in there with the, everything that's going on, man. It's, uh, it's, it's rough out here, man. But, you know, we just got to stay safe and, you know, keep the social distancing up. Yeah, you you doing you hanging in there? You doing okay? I mean, I know uh, boredom aside, yeah, maybe, I but I can't complain. It's, 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 it's rough for for me right now because I do a lot of uh, stuff with my son's foundation, and it's hard for us to raise money with the uh, social distancing. You know, we've had um, we wasn't able to do. Uh, we had a golf outing that was planned in the first Monday in May. Uh, we had a gala that was scheduled actually for this. Um, this Friday, and we had to uh, postpone all those, and those are uh, ways that we uh, raise money to to help with the foundation. And uh, as you know, I lost my middle son to asthma yeah. ten years ago, and we started a foundation in his name. And I go around the country raising money for asthma research and asthma education. And you know, with this new virus, it's it's also hitting uh, asthmatic people yeah. uh, uh people with illness so it's uh it's a deadly disease man that we're, that we're fighting right now and hopefully we can uh we'll get through it you know this um it, it is light on the other end of the tunnel but it's just something we have to deal with at the moment so talking with icky woods yeah we you know that by the way this podcast we uh charities are near and dear to our hearts on this podcast so we definitely want to get some more details on what you're doing how our listeners can support uh, the the foundation that you've created in your son's name. Definitely want to hear more about that. Uh, before we do, I do want to get your thoughts on the current state of the Cincinnati Bengals. It's been a very, very interesting offseason. Uh, initially, it looked like they were maybe going to stay a little quiet in terms of free agency, but they made some major moves 
And now they've primed themselves in a good position while having high picks in the draft. Are you a little surprised by what you've seen from the team this offseason? I am. I am surprised, but I'm also happy, uh, happily surprised that they, uh, they're starting to step up to the plate and spend a little money and go out and get some much-needed offensive line help. We needed that uh, a whole lot, and I was telling you know I was telling all everybody who I talked to if if they plan to uh, draft the kid Joe Burrows out of LSU, they need to go get him some some help on that offensive line. And if they if they don't do that, then you know they're going to put the kid in harm's way. But uh, this off season, they've uh, had a couple of decent linemen uh, who I think could uh, come in and, and help the young guys that we got. We got a good core of young young offensive linemen, and with those veterans guys coming in, and I, I think we'll be okay. Uh, hopefully, we. Uh, we take Joe Burrows, but, you know, you never know with the Bengals, so we have to wait and see. <laughs> Icky, a part of that money that they spent, well, they haven't spent all of it. They're hoping to spend a little bit more and maybe a little bit on Joe Mixon. He's kind of been in the news lately about the Bengals maybe preparing for Mixon to hold out. What do you make of how the running back market is nowadays with maybe a slight downturn? And what do you, what do you think the Bengals what, – what, what, should their plan of attack be with Joe Mixon? Do, do, do you think he's just vital that they have to keep him at all costs? Or do you think it, it's important for him to recognize his self-worth? Yeah, yeah I think they ought to recognize his self-worth because Mixon has done a lot despite having no offensive line. You know, it's uh, and he's a, he's a hard-working kid, man. He's a kid who, the, you know, deserves for them to uh, to pay him. You know, he, he comes to work every day and he – even you know, even in the bad times, he has been a bright light uh, for the team. So um, I understand if he does decide to hold out, but you know we gotta we gotta go ahead and get all our get all our our ducks in a row, man, and and make this a season because no nobody's giving us a chance to uh, do anything this year. So this would be a, a good time to get everything in place and surprise a lot of people. Talking with Icky Woods, Pro Bowl running back with the Cincinnati Bengals, architect of the famous Icky Shuffle and one of the fan favorites among Cincinnati Bengals fans. Happy to have him with us. He is joining us courtesy of New Era Hats. For those of you seeing our video feed, you can see one of the many draft hats that New Era has out there. So check out newera.com and get those draft hats. Icky, before we kind of turn back the clock a little bit on your playing days, I do want to ask you about how, where should fan expectations be for the 2020 season in terms of a turnaround? You know, back in 2002 and when Marvin, Marvin Lewis took over in 03, there was a radical six-game turnaround. They almost made the playoffs. Do you see with the moves that they've made in free agency this year, the talent that you mentioned earlier on that's already on the roster and this incoming draft class, do you see that there's going to be an immense turnaround right away? Or do you maybe see a, a little, some more growing pains this year and maybe more success in 21, 22 down the road? It, it, it all depends on how the offensive line plays. And you know that as well as I do, that's where it starts up yeah. front. Uh, offensive and defensive line. Our defense is uh, 
is is stellar, but our our biggest problem last year is our offensive line play. And if we can kind of sure that up, you know, we we were in a lot of games last year and end up losing them at the at the end of the game. You know, we probably lost about six or seven games late in the game, games that we were in and games that we should have won. So, uh, and it came down to uh, uh, our offensive line making plays and uh, keeping Andy Dalton upright, and they couldn't do it. So, uh, if the offensive line that, that that's coming in this year, like I said, I think they've added new two new offensive linemen who are um, – were, were good players, you know, in their in their fifth and sixth years in the league, and and they played on some good teams, and they've they've uh, they've made a name for themselves. So we'll see if they can mesh with those younger guys that we have on the offense, and if and, and if that could work, then I you know I, I think we could we could turn it around and go from a two and fourteen team to a, a seven and nine, eight and eight team, and you know if we get a couple of lucky bounces there we may we may have a opportunity to make the playoffs but you know that that's uh that that's a little ways down the line we have to see what happens it, it, oh. you seem very interested in in rebuilding the offensive line do, do you have a couple guys in the in this year's nfl draft that you have your eyes on it and where specifically on the Bengals offensive line would you like to see potential upgrades in, in the near future well, I, I think we, uh, I think they went out and got a tackle uh, that come, came in from the uh, Dallas. Was, that was with Dallas, and he was um, drafted. I forget who he was drafted by, but he played the last couple of years in Dallas, and he, he seems like a good guy. I, I think we we may to need to uh, get another guard. Uh, if we can get a bona fide guard, I, I think that kind of shores us up, and you know, and. And you know we, we we need to keep the young kid upright, and and hopefully uh, we can do that. Talking with Icky Woods, brought to us on the Orange and Black Insider, courtesy of New Era Hats. Get their new draft series, Bengals draft series hats. I'm wearing one, as you can see. For those tuning in on the live video feed, our thanks to New Era and our thanks to Icky Woods for joining us. We're going to be talking with him for a few more minutes. I want to. As I mentioned, go back in time a little bit. Uh, I, I want to go all the way back to your your college days, Icky, because a lot of people, a lot of Bengals fans, you know, they remember you in, in your playing days for the Bengals. Um, not a lot of people remember, maybe remember your college days because UNLV is not necessarily currently known as a as a football powerhouse. But when you were there, that university and that football program was quite was quite exciting. You you had Randall Cunningham there for a couple of years. You, you I think overlapped with him a year or two there. Um, and and one thing I found really interesting uh, is that you returned kickoffs with the with the Rebels a, a couple of times, and uh, you, you never really did that in the pros. I'm curious what your experience was in in kickoff returns and special teams, uh, especially as you got to the pros and were more the you know the the go to running back, so to speak. Right. Well, I, I wasn't I wasn't too big on special teams. I, mean, <laughs> I, I should have been a should have been a little more of a special teams guy, but I, I never was big on uh, on special teams. And then when I got the starting role. 
Uh, they didn't. They didn't put me on any special teams. They tried me out on a uh, kickoff return as as a blocker, but it didn't. Uh, I, I didn't pan out too well at that. So special teams wasn't my thing, and I I, I should have. If, if I know now, if I know back then what I know now, I would have I would have worked a lot harder uh, to be on special teams, you know. But. Um, but we, we had a, uh, I, I was, uh, you know, uh, we played like a one-back offense at, at, at uh, UNLV, and I was, you know, the main guy there. And then when we got got to the Bengals, we kind of ran something similar to uh, to a one-back, but we ran an offset, and sometimes JV would be out in the slot. So uh, it, it was something similar. So going from college to the Bengals, we they sort of ran a similar offense, just you know, different uh, terminology. Right, and when you got to Cincinnati, your partner in crime, James Brooks, was already there. He was still more of an established guy at the time, but you guys were one of the original thunder and lightning combinations, and we we've started to see that over the past ten or so years become more common in the NFL, where they're kind of trying to split these carries between running backs. Do you still see that? as the the most viable way to handle a, a running back room in the NFL? Do you, do you, or is it more of getting guys who can do more of the same thing? Yeah, I, I think so, especially over a 16-week season, 17 weeks because you get a bye week in there. But, you know, it's, it, it's hard for a guy to, you know, play at a real consistent level 16 games and not, you know, and not get a breather. So with today's game, you have to have two, uh, three, or maybe four uh, good running backs that were interchangeable. And, and, and we had that in me and Stanley and James Brooks and Stanford Jennings. And so we were able to, you know, no matter which back was in the game, we were able to get some productivity out of our running backs. So, and that's what you need in, in today's league is you need some running backs who could who are interchangeable and, and you don't miss a beat uh, when one goes out and the next one comes in. Icky, what was a play that when, when you heard it called in the huddle, what was the play that you wanted called the most, your, your bread and butter play, the play that, that you said, hey, this this is, I know I'm getting big chunk yardage out of this play right here. Oh, it probably is. 16, 16 Colt going to the uh, right behind Anthony Munoz. <laughs> that works. Yeah, to, I mean, 17 Colt, but to the left behind Anthony. Because uh, I tell you what, bro, Anthony Munoz opened up some holes, man. It's, <laughs> it was unbelievable how big the holes was when we went to his side. And Joe Walters wasn't that bad on, on the right side either. So we had, you know, we had a, a real – Real, real, real good offensive line. You know, we had a, uh, and then we had Rodney Holman as the tight end. Yeah. So we had a bona fide blocking tight end, and Rodney Holman, and and Eric Caddis, and Jim Riggs, and and then we had the uh, uh, big hogs up front. You had a uh, Bruce Kazerski at center. Uh, Max Montoya uh, was one guard. Uh, Bruce Reimer yep. was the other guard. Yep. And then you had Anthony Munoz and and Big Joe Walters as the tackles, man. So we had some we had some guys that could open up some holes for us, and and then we had some some backups that were pretty good too. So when 
those guys uh, had got hurt or needed a breather, uh, we had some backup offensive linemen that came in and did a great job as well. Yeah, one of the best lines really in, in league history from from player to player. And, uh, you know, one of the best offenses, really most innovative offenses in league history. You were a gigantic part of that. Speaking with Icky Woods, yeah. courtesy of New Era Hats, we're going to be here just a minute longer with him. And before we hear about uh, to get how to get involved in your in your foundation, Icky, I don't know if you know, but our, our podcast recently over the past month, month and a half, we've actually had a couple of your teammates on the pro- former teammates on the program. We had Solomon Wilcots on the program. We had Tim McGee on the program recently. Solomon Wilcots, uh, what, what we've been asking them is to relay maybe a story, whether it's a funny one or a touching one of either the late Paul Brown, Sam Weish, both of them just because those two guys are obviously near and dear to Bengals fans' hearts. And before you you relay yours, Solomon Wilcots, I should have queued up the audio for you, but Solomon Wilcots told the story about you doing the icky shuffle for Paul Brown, and that was incredibly entertaining. Uh, I don't know if you want to either expand on that story or if you've got another that you want to share with us, but we are all ears. Well, I was actually um, sitting in my locker um, getting ready to go out for the game, and, and Paul comes in, and he normally comes through the front door, and he walks, you know, straight straight through. He speaks and, and keeps walking and heads back to the to the coach's office. Well, this particular time, you know, he uh, beelines towards my locker, and you know, and, and I'm starting to get nervous because he, you know, he never comes comes in and comes over to any other player's lockers and. He comes over to me and he says, uh, well, Icky, uh, how you doing today? I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing okay, PP. What's happening? How are you? He said, I'm doing fine. He said, I just wanted to tell you. He said, personally, he said, I don't care too much for that little dance you do. He said, but my wife loves it. And you can do it anytime you get ready. <laughs> I thought that was... I thought that was okay, boy. I got the stamp of approval from PB, yeah. so I was I was all right with that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, he was he was Mister Button Up, right? I mean, he was yeah, yeah. that was oh yeah, definitely surprising. Icky, this has been an immense pleasure on our part. Before we get you out of here, and I know we ran long with you, but we just we really enjoyed the conversation. As you kind of talked about at the beginning of uh, when you joined us, you have a foundation in your son's name. Uh, we'd love to hear about more, how to be involved, how to donate, and um, you know how our listeners can potentially help your foundation out. It's called the Jovante, and Jovante is spelled J-O-V-A-N-T-E, woodsfoundation.org. Uh, you can go to our website. We have a, also have a store on our website, so you can order some memorabilia on our website. And if you want to donate, you can donate uh, through the website, and and we need all the donations that we can get because we're struggling right now because uh, we, we can't raise money because of the uh, social distancing. So it's, uh, it's it's hurting a lot of nonprofit organizations yeah. right now. So we can use all the all the help we can get, all the donations we can get to, to help us keep going to fight this deadly disease and um, and uh, hopefully can uh, if not find a cure. Hope we find a better way to treat asthma so we won't be losing uh, 11 people a day to the disease. 
Well, we will definitely make that a call to action for our listeners and those on cincyjungle.com. We will definitely promote that, link that in the post on cincyjungle.com. We hope to drive some more dollars. Count me in. I'll, I'll definitely donate to that. As I mentioned, this program is uh, holds charities near and dear to our hearts. So we, we want to definitely help you out. And maybe when things normalize again and you've got some actual in-person events, opportunities, volunteer opportunities, whatever the case may be, we'd love to have you back on and talk about those. Okay, sounds good, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Icky. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Have a good one. You too. Icky Woods joining us courtesy of New Era Hats. Um, pretty unbelievable, John. I it just, I mean, I, I'm just fanboying out. You know, I mean, what else can I say? I don't know what else to say there. A couple of things. One, <clears throat> as a person who suffers from very mild and seasonal asthma, I'm, I'm really appreciative of what his foundation does. And yeah. I, I have the website up for, for his foundation. I plan on making a donation for $31 in honor of his number with the Bengals as soon as the show's over. Number two, I just saw Paul Brown's football life on NFL Network. I think it was the first time I've ever seen it. I don't know how new it was. But towards the end, when they're covering the end of his life, and, you know, he died, I think, in what, 1991. He was, it, it had like a clip of him somewhere in the late 80s of him doing the Yiki Shuffle. And like throughout that documentary, you got to know Paul Brown as this, this very serious, like you said, buttoned up kind of guy who just doesn't take any nonsense. So for Icky Woods, of all people, to kind of open him up like that and kind of let, let him let, let loose in his later life, that, that must say a lot. So um, just, just an iconic figure in this team's history. And um, we're very fortunate to have him on here for the show very fortunate and not just because he was a great player and is a gigantic personality within the Bengals community but uh, a good guy and a guy like like you said uh, he's doing trying to do something positive out of an immense tragedy that occurred to his family so please if you are a listener and you are able it's it's hard to ask people for money at this time, even if it's a charitable, a great organization like Icky Woods' organization that he's got in the, in the honor of his son, Javante. But if you're able, please donate because these are, these are charities that are doing great things for others and they need help right now too. Right. I mean, everybody's got work issues and potential financial issues at a time like this, but these organizations need help too. So if you're able, please, please do that. And, and, you know, we, we get these people, these these high-profile guests on our show because we want them to promote these endeavors and we want to see them gain uh, traction in their endeavors that they promote on this show. So maybe they'll come back and they'll chat with us more. Um, we want them to be appreciative of, you know, the opportunity that we give them to promote their, their endeavors. So, um, you know, if you can, please, please, please donate to Iggy Woods Charity. Again, that interview with Icky Woods was brought to us by New Era Hats. You can see me wearing a New Era draft hat. You can see on one side it's got the Who Day. For those who, by the way, who give me all kinds of all kinds of crap, John, uh, I, this is this is the bent bill. It's the bent bill. It's not the flat bill, right? Uh, this is called the Casual Classic Adjustable. And believe it or not, I just got this right before we took the air. That's why all the tags are on and everything. I didn't have time to do that. John, we got one on the way to you. So, uh, our thanks. About to time I'm reeling in this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Thanks to Keith over at New Era for for hooking our show up. And please, if you can, go to New Era. 
the, the design I think is pretty cool of the B. Um, very neat design this year for the draft hat. So check that out. I also, I know you got something to say, John. Before I do, I would be remiss if I did not thank our good friend and listener, Mike Holbrook. I've thanked him a couple of times on different episodes. Yes. He was the one to connect us with Icky Woods through his time back in Cincinnati. Mike Holbrook, thank you so much. You may be listening live. I don't know. Um, but if you are, thanks. If not, thank you after the fact. We appreciate what you've done for this show, the connections you help us made. And if you are in need of real estate services in the South Florida area, look up Mike Holbrook. He does great work down there and can help you out. So thanks, Mike. What were you going to say, John? I, I was going to say, I do like the hat design. I think it was because it was supposed to be in Vegas. And I guess it has like the yeah. lighting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and we're getting people, we're getting, we're getting people in the comments saying I should put the rooster hat back on. I don't even know what that thing is. I probably threw it out at this point because it's like infested with something. There's also people in here telling me I need I need to do the icky shuffle. So why, why, why don't we say it for the later part of the show? We'll, we'll keep people around. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. So thanks again to Icky Woods for joining us. And uh, we, we appreciate that. Part of a big ramp up, a huge past couple of months for our podcast, for Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk, for the guys, Orange is the New Black, Ace uh, Boogie, and Zim Hooday. And uh, we've kind of re-brought on board the Sorry If I Spit When I Speak guys, Daddy McDuke and um, Hoji Smoji. So a big, in terms of guests and all of that, a big past couple of months and teaser to announcement time at the end of the show, we've got even more big announcements to make as we go towards draft week coming up next week and it's going to be a big one so we're excited about that and we're excited what's ahead for the show john we've been doing our soundbite of the week episodes uh, or segments rather we i try and vary these i try and get different media members i try and do that unfortunately that some of these guys just keep providing us these great gems of some of the same guys keep providing us these great gems of audio clips. And this one came, I believe it was earlier on Wednesday. It was on Get Up, uh, or yeah, Get Up on ESPN, which is a, uh, a morning show hosted by Mike Greenberg. And it is, as are most shows right now, they are in the NFL draft mode not only because the nfl is one of the only is really the only operating professional sports entities right now but also the nfl draft is one of the big ratings drivers in the sports world so interestingly enough a long time ago john i don't know if you remember this or not you might have been a, a, a youngin at the time but mel kuyper used to be a little bit critical of the cincinnati Bengals, especially i remember oh, yeah. as recent uh, as I believe it was 2002 when they selected Levi Jones in the first round. He absolutely raked the Bengals over the coals for that pick, thought it was a reach. Levi Jones ended up having a pretty damn good career with the Cincinnati Bengals, was a Pro Bowl alternate, and um, was on that offensive line that was quite quite effective uh, in, the, in the 2000s there. So, interestingly enough, Mel Kuyper a few weeks ago, we had him as another soundbite of the week came to the Bengals rescue talking about Joe Burrow being there. He was even more emphatic this week talking about Joe Burrow when asked about his potential success with the Cincinnati Bengals and what is ahead for him 
as the Bengals' potential next franchise quarterback. So we're going to listen to Mel Kuyper Jr. on Get Up by ESPN. It feels like when we talk about this pick and this draft, it almost feels like people are positioning this like Burrow is being set up to fail in Cincinnati. What do you think of that perspective? I'm disgusted by it, Greeny. It makes me sick. And I've been screaming about this for months. I hear this garbage. All, everybody wants to spew about the Bengals, and it's the horrible place to go. It's awful. you got no chance for a quarterback to have success. What are you, dreaming? You want to just throw out inaccurate information? Fine, but it, it makes me sick. Now, 81 and 88 may be too long ago, but they wanted 81 with Kenny Anderson, 88 with Boomer Esiason. If that's too far uh, removed, fine. Let's fast forward to 2011, 2015. That's not 100 years ago, guys. Okay, They had five straight winning seasons, five straight playoff appearances. Should have beat Pittsburgh. It was a penalty late that cost them that opportunity. They had an 11-12 and 12 win season mixed in for those five straight years of getting to the playoffs. Okay, and with, with Carson Palmer, he got hurt in a playoff game where they may have won that game. Andy Dalton had success. So this notion that Joe Burrow's going to a place that's never won, never had success, never had a quarterback do anything is utterly ridiculous. That might have been my favorite moment that we've had on the show in as long as I can remember. Who saw that coming? Mel, you seem to be quite, you seem to be very yeah. passionate about this, and I like it. <laughs> They're throwing away to go, Greeny. I mean, come on. Come on. They're going to say quarterbacks have never had any success. They've done nothing but lose in Cincinnati. I remember talking to Mike Brown back in 83, 84, prior to the draft. Steve Young had gone to the USFL. They're thinking about Boomer Science. They took Boomer in the second round, had three first-round picks, and nothing really pan out, right? Yet, a few years later, Boomer was in a Super Bowl, and he could have won against that great 49er team had it not been for the Montana Drive, Okay. Well, something happened when you didn't have three first-round picks do a lot. Some personnel got taken in there to help Boomer and get to that Super Bowl. So this notion that Mike Brown and the Bengals don't know how to do it and don't know how to get it done, yes, it's not the traditional way. The coaches are heavily involved, okay? Fine, but it's not like Joe Burrow is going to a place where he has zero chance to be successful. And ironically, nobody wanted Joe Burrow coming out of high school. He said, hey, nobody wanted me, okay? Now you're going to say, I don't want to go to the Bengals, or I don't want to, and now all of a sudden you're going to flip the script? Uh-uh. Joe Burrow will be fine. The Bengals will be fine. Come on. So, a lot to digest there. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to come up with an encore to talk more about that, John. I mean, he just absolutely went scorched earth on uh, some of the media takes there, but I, I, I guess where I want to start with this in terms of our analysis of the soundbite of the week, I go back to just the interview the interview we just had in, in Icky Woods, second round pick. You drafted him, and I love the question you posed to Icky about the thunder and lightning situation with James Brooks. James Brooks was a guy they traded for a few years prior. They traded away Pete Johnson, and, and Pete Johnson was, yeah, this touchdown machine, but he was getting up there in age, and he had the name. He wasn't exactly what they wanted. So what they do, they get the electric guy and James Brooks, the big play guy, the guy that can catch the football well. Then you get the hammer a couple of years later that was in the mold of Pete Johnson and Icky Woods. It worked well. You heard the offensive line names that Icky Woods threw out there. This team, they go on runs where they know how to draft guys and put things together, and this may be one of those years. A couple of things here. One – I think last year was the 25th anniversary of the famous quote that really sensationalized the NFL draft as is who the hell is Mel Kuyper? <laughs> because not, not, not a lot of people know that the person who said that is Bill Tobin. Bill Tobin is the, the 
the father of Duke Tobin. So yep. it's very ironic that and this is something that Paul Dana Jr. actually said. This is why I'm even talking about it because I wouldn't have known this had he not said this on Twitter. It's ironic that Mel Kuyper is defending Bill Tobin's son in his process and the process that his team does. And I think even Bill still has a role with the Bengals because, you know, that scouting department is very minimal anyways. So that that's just ironic. But criticism that's earned is criticism that's earned. If Mel Kuyper went on a rant about the deficiencies that the Bengals still have, I think that people should take that with the same accountability that, that he's doing now. What he's saying is by and large true. And it, it took me because th this was still a topic in like February before the whole world went to crap. Whereas, you know, the Bengals are just this dead franchise that where careers go to die and people weren't really saying the same thing about Miami or Washington or Detroit or other teams picking at the top of the draft. And I, I, I didn't, fight back on the people who were saying this because I kind of saw where they were coming from because before th this free agency period, the Bengals showed that they didn't, they didn't want to do everything in their power to build a team to compete. They didn't want to spend the money in free agency. And that was the reason why other, other teams picking at the, at the top of the draft might be a, might be a better place for one of these top prospects to go. The Bengals just blew that those narratives out of the water when they spent $150 million in free agency and got five or six new stars on defense and are setting themselves up to put their franchise quarterback in a potential position to succeed. So all those narratives that are still being said on ESPN right now, they're they're debunked. Like they, they don't they're not valid anymore. And I think Mel Kiper sees sees that as clear as anybody anybody like like us who are just watching it who are witnessing it unfold as well. Kuiper has been in this industry for a long time. He's the one who really made the draft to this, you know, entertainment who who expanded the NFL drafts entertainment value to where it is now. If it wasn't for him, it wouldn't be this whole thing where the NFL is trying to, to to still televise it even amidst this pandemic. So, yeah, like he he can go on these rants from time to time. He may, you know, step up to the plate for Jimmy Clausen of all people and and put bet his career on him succeeding, but at the end of the day, he's seen a lot and like he said, he, you know, like he said in that interview, he Remember, you know the, the the times when they when they drafted Boomer Sice in the second round, and they just handled some of these quarterback situations well. They're at, at the end of the day, like Cincinnati's just not this place where quarterbacks go to die. Like not for the past couple of quarterbacks, they've gotten second contracts, they've gotten opportunities to succeed. They've had Boomer Sice and Ken Anderson. We want to talk about places where quarterbacks go to die. Miami Dolphins. They haven't had anybody since Dan Marino. Like their best quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill. They've had a laundry list of quarterbacks that rivals. The, the Cleveland Browns history there, Washington and Detroit are any different. So I think that these narratives now go to die because Cincinnati has shown that they have, that they want to win, that they're willing to modernize the way that they build the team. And I think Mel just realizes that as much as we do. The other thing I find very interesting, and I think I said this before in the previous clip we used with Mel Kuyper Jr. in his defense of the Cincinnati Bengals, Mel Kuyper Jr. is a Maryland guy. He is a Baltimore. He he, uh, kind of made it known has made it known a little bit that he favors the Baltimore Ravens. And even from the Bengals side of the fence, the Ravens are known as one of the best run teams. One of the the teams that draft drafts very well. Um, Ozzie Newsom has created it like a second Hall of Fame career for himself as a as a general manager when he was with Baltimore. So it, it's it's interesting to me that the guy who could be so critical of the Bengals and their mistakes that they've made and their perceived shortcomings in terms of small internal staff, et cetera, 
he's he's going to bat for him. And uh, you can look back at a lot of the recent failures too, even. And he still thinks that the Bengals are drafting well. And failures being, you know, it could be, I don't want to call Jonah Williams a failure, but year one was unfortunately in that category because he didn't play. Uh, and that was a guy he wanted to play right away. Um, you, you can go back to 2015. What a disaster that class was. I mean, there are some recent classes that have caused the Bengals to be in this four-year rut that we've seen here. But I find it interesting that he's going to bat for him. And I, and I wonder if that would still be the case if the Bengals didn't do as much and what they did in free agency. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think he's, at the end of the day, I don't think he's saying anything that's vision that's so visionary or anything or so extraordinary. He's just saying the obvious. Like this isn't this isn't that like this franchise has had success in the way that they've managed to to do it. And when you compare other bad franchises out there who've had minimal success compared to them, maybe not in playoffs, but just in regular season, just in, just in winning in general, it, it's it's not been as bad as what people like to think. And the, the, the no playoff wins is obviously a, a thing. It's going to be a thing until it's not. Or, and that's the reason why they're putting all their chips in Joe on, on Joe Burrow, because they're hoping he can be the guy that, that erases that legacy. But I, I think Mel's is being logical here. He's not saying anything that's so outlandish because when we hear him say this stuff, we agree because it's, it makes sense. It's what we know because we follow this team more than people who have to cover all 32 teams. It's not, just this lazy narrative that Cincinnati is at the place where career is going to die. Geno Atkins is going to go to the Hall of Fame. He was a fourth-round pick. A.J. Green has seven Pro Bowls to his name, playing with a quarterback that was average at best. Like, you can come here to Cincinnati and have a good career for yourself. And most of the players who did have good careers, they have good thoughts on the on the franchise in general, albeit minus a couple of players here and there. But, uh, again, like, this isn't anything extraordinary to hear. This is just logic that's being laid out from – someone who a lot of people trust because he's a big name in the media. And that's just rare for Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. And the other thing to consider that is that plays a part in this where Cincinnati isn't perceived the absolute wasteland that it was maybe during this rough stretch in the nineties. The parity level of the league has increased quite a bit. And that's Mm -hmm. been a real focus around the league. And, it could irritate some fans because, you know, you think you have a good team and, and ra- there are some uh, random sneaky teams that end up making the playoffs every year and they've expanded the playoff brackets, et cetera. But, I mean, it, it, this league is built on team – This the league doesn't want teams to be – I was going to say, well, piss poor. They, they don't want teams to be piss poor for 10 straight years anymore. They don't want that. That's not good for their brand. That's not good for their product, especially when most of these teams are in large cities and they have large contingents of fans. And so they don't, they don't want teams to be on these terrible streaks and they've designed the league that way, especially more recently. So that also plays into this. And look, Icky said it. We've said it a ton of times on this podcast. This this isn't a roster totally devoid of talent. They've got talent in a lot of skill positions. You mentioned two guys that are probable Hall of Famers and A.J. Green and Geno Atkins that are currently on the team. There is a lot of talent on this team. They need a little bit more meat and potatoes, and they need to hit the reset button at the, the most important position on the team. But 
this isn't this isn't going to be another two win season four win. I saw some some goofball on on Fox Sports say that he thinks the Bengals are going to go zero sixteen. He said that this week. Uh, I don't even remember his name, and I don't even want to bother to say it because I just find that to be laughable. But that we're not looking at that based on what this roster holds right now. We're looking at a team that yeah, there could be some growing pains this year, but they, this they, there should be noticeable strides with Joe Burrow under center with a lot of the same faces that are currently on this roster. Look, like, I, I get it, and there's people now in the comment section talking about Stephen A. Smith because he said something about Cincinnati. Like, th- th- these things will continue to pop up until they actually move beyond the wild card round. That, 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 that's just going to happen. People are not going to take Cincinnati seriously regardless of what they do in the offseason until they prove themselves on the field. Like, we – Bengals fans love to clown the Cleveland Browns, even though objectively they're probably a more a better run organization nowadays than they were 10 years ago, even though they haven't had any success to prove or, or substantiate that. I'm sure Browns fans think that they're always getting crapped on when they when they may not deserve it. This is the same situation. You're not going to get respect until you reach the success level of the other franchises, and that's why you had the, this brigade against the Bengals in, in February and March, and that's still trickling over into April, even after this free agency period. So... Again, it's going to happen. You just kind of have to learn to live with it. You can go Ohio or Cincinnati against the world, but until you actually prove it on the field, these things will continue to pop up. Yeah. Well, entertaining clip nonetheless and passionate from Mel Kuyper Jr. in our soundbite of the week. I I think he's largely correct. Are, Are the Cincinnati Bengals a perfect franchise? No. Are we in a much better emotional space as a fan base right now because of what they've done? this offseason and free agency and what they are potentially prepared to do in a little over a week. Yes. But a very entertaining clip by Mel Kuyper Jr. And, and um, you know, pretty, pretty spot on in a lot of different ways. And we hope that what the Bengals net in next, next week's draft class will show that this is not a wasteland and that they can go on a run with some of the talent they bring in, in uh, next Thursday, Friday and Saturday coming up we'll have some announcements on our draft coverage next week towards the end of the program we've got some big announcements to make and uh, we've got a lot of different pieces of news surrounding that and a lot of different shows that you can check out including our own on the cincy jungle podcast channel you can get all of our shows on itunes stitcher spotify google play megaphone um, a lot of youtube all of the different platforms you can always tune in live to our recordings. We've got a number of people tuning in live right now via YouTube or the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. We are there. If you want to watch the video and you don't want to be on YouTube, our videos are also on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. You can check them out there. But try and join us live. Subscribe to our channels if you can. Leave us a rating. Uh, helps get, get us a little bit more visibility through those platforms. And uh, helps us know how we're doing with, with the program, etc. So subscribe to our channels. That way you can also know when we're going live, when new material is put out there, and you can be one of the first people to listen to it and tell us just how wonderful we are. We love hearing hearing that and pats on the back. We mentioned this also last week. We've been seeing uh, record numbers of downloads, record numbers of views, um, you know, between our audio and our YouTube. Just uh, it's incredible, and we can't thank everybody enough for their support in the really, I mean, really since the inception of the show, but really over these past couple of months as excitement has definitely grown. Right, John? 
Absolutely. I mean, you, you just emailed us the numbers and guys, it's business is booming. There's no other way to put it. And um, we, we hope it's sustainable, but if not, this is, this has been quite a run. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we uh, we've got more announcements, which we hope will elongate the sustainability of, of what we've been doing. So uh, we keep teasing that, but we'll, we'll, we'll let you know at the end of the program. We've been doing over the past couple of months, really since I think December, maybe yeah. even November, uh, the 2020 prospect watch list. This may or may not be our last one. Maybe we'll do one next week. Unsure at this point, but we are beginning to at least tie a bow on the 2020 prospect watch list because the draft is next week. Uh, not going to really do prospect watches after guys are draft. I mean, I guess we could, but defeats the purpose if the Bengals aren't going to take them. So we've done a number. We've we've really focused in on offensive linemen. We focused in on quite a few linebackers slash edge players. We focused a lot on wide receivers and, and other skill positions. So we've that's primarily been what we've been focusing in on. Side note: before we get to our prospects this week, we're going to try and create episodes on our channels of each snippet we've done of particular position groups and kind of make that an episode in itself. There's a lot of work that goes into that. So we are trying to create those for you. We had a request for that and I thought that was a really, really cool idea. So we're going to try and get that going um, as separate episodes, both on our YouTube channel and, and our audio channel. So look out for that. We're going to try and get that set up all right before the draft. One of our many announcements that we want to make for NFL draft coverage, but Keep your eye open for that. We'll we'll post those. But a number of different players. We've covered a number of different players, a few quarterbacks as well. And now we're kind of wrapping things up. John, do you want to do the honors of going first this week, or would you like me to to go first? You, you talked a bit for the past couple minutes, so I'll give you a break as I go oh. through my prospect. Okay, thank All you. All right. Um, like, like Anthony said, we kept a theme here with, with, with certain positions that we've talked about, and I'm not going to deviate from that now, considering the draft is just a week away. But, you know, I think all, a lot of people have a good have gauged a good feeling about this linebacker class beyond Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray. You got your Logan Wilsons, your Keen Davis Gaithers, your Willie Gay Juniors, who was profiled here back in December. Lost in the conversation, I think, is Jordan Brooks, the linebacker at Texas Tech. And he was a guy – one of the first linebackers I even learned about in this draft class way back in like September, October, when I think it was Dane Brugler who was was tweeting about how productive he was at Texas Tech, not only in his first three years, but how productive he started the season. And he continued producing throughout the season. Um, at, at the end, he accounted for, I think, 12.3% of Texas Tech solo tackles. And that's 12.3% solo tackle market share. Any mark above 11% is high quality. I think Jermaine Pratt, had 11% in North Carolina State. He was in the 80th percentile. You typically like to see 80th or above percentile in terms of maximizing your potential as an NFL linebacker. But sometimes, you know, guys who have rack up a lot of solo tackles in college, they don't always translate into the NFL. How do you, how do you, how do you contextualize that production? Well, PFF graded him as the highest graded run defending linebacker in this class and also graded him as the best tackling linebacker in this class. Hmm. So those solo tackles, that they, they mean something because – you know, this is the guy that stays in his fits. He reads his keys well, and he takes on blocks better than most linebackers in this class. It's not like a Kenneth Murray situation where he's explosive and he gets downhill, but he's scared to take on the blocker. He kind of dips under. This guy will, will 
take on guards to the second level and he will try to put them in the dirt and he will try to fight them off. And when he gets to, to the ball carry, he makes them pay. Like this is a hard hitting tackler. This is a downhill player. This is a guy that's perfect for a three, four scheme that the Bengals are trying to run more. I, I think of a, a great long-term answer beyond what Josh Bynes will be this year next to Jermaine Pratt. There are a couple negatives though. And I think there are negatives that Bengals fans are going to take into account for one he has a shoulder problem. He first injured it in his freshman year back in 2016. It required surgery. It, he was fine for the next two years, but he ended up missing the last game of his senior year with, with the same type of injury. It's why he couldn't participate at the combine beyond his 40-yard dash, which, by the way, he ran a 4.54. So that sideline to sideline speed, that explosion, it, it showed up at the combine as well. It's six foot, 240 pounds. But it's the reason why he, we didn't see any jumps. We didn't see any uh, agility drills there. And that's it. And Bengals, Bengals, the, the Bengals have been plagued with shoulder injuries in, in recent years. John Ross, Billy Price, or I think he's more of a pectoral, but Jonah Williams had a shoulder injury last year. So they're very sensitive to that type of injury. So that may be a reason why he may not be as high on their board. And also, he's just not very, really experienced in coverage. And he may not be the athlete that you want dropping back 10 yards deep in, in those nickel type situations. He's, he's just a traditional downhill linebacker, but he has more speed than the Ray Malalugas or the Hardy Nickersons or the Vinnie Rays of the, the past that we've seen line up at inside linebacker for the Bengals. So I think in terms of just what he does well, he fits a lot with the theme of what we've seen this offseason. Bengals want to get better run defense. They want better tacklers. There is no better combination of those two at the linebacker class than Jordan Brooks. But provides all this, all the size check marks, all, this, all the athleticism check marks that they look for. Um, I, I think in terms of where you would draft him, the the – the top of the second round is a little bit too high. I think if if they do move back from the 33rd overall pick, maybe into the 40s or the low 40s, that is where you would start to legitimately see him come off the board. Ideally, you would wait until the top of the third round. I think that's where his value is most maximized after, you know, Willie Gay maybe goes off the board. He may be like the fifth or sixth linebacker drafted in this class. And I think if he's there, he's becomes an obvious pick as just that long-term answer next to Jermaine Pratt. Keep him, keep him in, in between the tackles. Keep him in that condensed space. He can run down plays to the sideline, and he can take on blocks, and that's something that the Bengals just don't have a lot in space at the position. So you think third round is good value for for Jordan Brooks? Yes, and I, and I think there's talk about him maybe sneaking into the late second, which is why if they do trade down, he becomes, I think, a legitimate option because – if you're reading what, if you're hearing what Dave Lavin is saying, it's obvious that linebacker is going to be a position that they, they're going to target very early in this draft. I mean, that, that was already obvious, anyways. But they're going to be looking to see if Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray fall through the crack, through the cracks in the first round. If they don't, I'm not sure they're going to have Jordan Brooks graded that high. So if they do try to trade down, he becomes, I think, an option there. If they have someone higher on their board after that happens, I think they're just waiting to see if he gets to 65. It's right now, it seems like a 50-50 if he's even going to get there, but. If he does, I think he fits a lot of the boxes that the Bengals look for in their linebackers. What do you think he would – would he be a surefire second-rounder if he wasn't dealing with some of the, the shoulder stuff and stuff that you mentioned? It, it, it might go both ways because he, he would be a first-round pick if, if he – like if, if this was 2005, he would be a first-round pick right. because coverage wasn't, wasn't too you know important for linebackers back in the day. But I think had he had tested a full – if he had, if he provided a full athletic profile, I think we would have seen some of those weaknesses with with those tight hips. So he might not have had the greatest short shuttle or three cone. I think he would have still done good in the in the explosion jumps. So 
maybe his stock stays the same because you get to see more of what he does well and what he doesn't do well. So maybe him not testing kind of saved him in that regard. But in the mid 2000s, this guy's a first round pick for what he does well. Right now, he's more of a limited player. But the things that he does do well, it's something that the Bengals still don't have. So there's definite value in that. One of those guys that you wish pro days were available because the if you saw I, I posted the the combine numbers and, and whatnot that uh, up earlier and great for a linebacker four point five four forty yard dash that's pretty solid but didn't have any other measurables from the combine you wish that the pro day had been conducted so you can get more uh, get more information there. I'm going to go on the other side of the ball, John. I'm going to go with a young man that I've kind of heard more and more about recently, and that's Antonio Gibson. Very interesting player out of Memphis, a guy that potentially, depending on how how creative your uh, how creative your offense is and how creative your coaching staff is could play multiple positions, could do multiple things in an offense. He's a guy that lined up as a wide receiver at times. He was a guy that lined up as a running back at times. He's a guy that is just a big play machine when he touches the, the ball. The issue is that he didn't touch the ball very much. Uh, So it's one of those things where, you know, project player, you're really, you're really hoping that you're catching lightning in a bottle based on a real small sample size. You look at here, I've pulled up some of the measurable six, uh, he's some list him at six, one or even six, two, but he checked in at the, at the combine at six foot plus close to 230 pounds built you know, got the build you want. Um, you see here an unofficial 439 40-yard dash and some other measurables here. If you look at the tape, he does a lot of things that you that you like. He's a big play, big play machine. I think he had 77 total touches last year and double-digit touchdowns. So it's one of those things where you get the ball in his hands and he does things. And I saw some of the scores that he had, it was a, a screen pass out of the flat that he caught. There were big runs where he trucked and spun out of tackles and, and made a big run out of the running back position for a touchdown. I saw one where he streaked down the left sideline for a deep ball and caught a deep touchdown. It's it's How are you going to use this guy? Where are you comfortable at drafting him based on the limited, limited tape that you have? And will the potential – the, the the size, the measurables, will that translate to actual NFL football productivity? That's that's the big question for him. I I think from a Bengals perspective, if they've taken care of quarterback, offensive line, linebacker, and wide receiver in no particular order with their first four picks, let's just say for the sake of argument, they don't make any trades and they don't accrue any more picks. Their first four picks, their first four rounds, they've taken care of all of those picks and you like what you have there. This kid sitting there in the fifth or sixth round, which he may not be, some some think he could be a third round player, a fourth round play, player. There could be a coach out there that really says, I, I, I there's a lot of clay to mold here and I, I can do something with this kid. 
you know, if he's there in the fifth round and you've got Zach Taylor saying, we've got a little bit of uncertainty at wide receiver where we haven't made much headway by reports in terms of contract negotiations with Joe Mixon, this is a movable piece in an offense that you give Joe Burrow another weapon. Joe Burrow liked to check the ball down to, to Clyde Edwards Hilaire quite a bit. He liked to use the running backs in the passing game. He liked to just disperse the ball to a lot of different targets. You put this kid out on the field, whether you line him up in the slot, you line him up as a running back, you can line him up as a wide receiver. You may be able to kill two birds with one stone in terms of a roster need here. And that's, that's what I like. I don't like taking him in the third round for the Cincinnati Bengals. There are just other needs that need to be addressed first and foremost, but fourth round would be the absolute earliest. I would look at taking him fifth round, sixth round, when you're getting some of these high upside project players, that seems to me to be the wheelhouse for a guy like this. I don't know that he'll last there. There might be a team that'll spring earlier for him. Go look at this guy. Some of this guy's tape though. It's fun. It's fun. He's, he's big. He is chiseled. The one thing I will say as a running back and as a wide receiver, as a running back, he he plays a little he, he doesn't have a ton of wiggle. Uh, he, he plays a little stiff if you want to get nitpicky about it, but he's got power, he's got speed. You can see the 439 unofficial 40-yard dash there. From a receiving standpoint, he's not so much a high point, you know, true wide receiver jump ball up and get it. He's a little bit more let the ball come into him type of type of receiver, but he makes plays. He just makes plays and you can line him up. You can line him up as a kick returner. If you want to do that wide receiver running back, you know, I, I had thoughts of potential Andrew Hawkins type of roles where you can move him around quite a bit. There are uh, Giovanni Bernard has been used in, in certain situations. I just like the potential for lack of better words, fun you can have with a player like this. Uh, I I, I want to. He's a running back, but I, I I'm but, not seeing the, like I'm I'm not seeing the whole potential of him using that as a wide receiver. I think if you have him, you're gonna have to draft him before the fifth round, unfortunately, because being 220 pounds and running a sub four four that just doesn't last long, re- re- regardless of the production in, in, in college. I think. He like there's been a lot of talk about Lynn Bowden lately, the guy from Kentucky. Uh, he's also just this positionless player who you just want to get the ball in the hands to. I, I think if you're comparing those two, Gibson's just the guy that you would rather take the chance on because you know that he's an elite athlete that that, that size. But I, like I, again, I, the, the the best thing that you saw from him in college was was that running ability. He has an insane yards per carry clip that you just don't see a lot, even even in a, a non-power five conference at, at Memphis. So like. Like you said, I, I don't think that he fits necessarily to the Bengals for where he has to be drafted, especially if they don't address certain needs. And I don't like going into the draft saying you need to address these needs if your board doesn't follow the same way. But right. I don't know how he would kind of work his way up to that spot where he would need to be drafted. If he's there in the fifth round, I think he becomes one of the very few players that you would actually legitimately like to use that pick on because, you know, even as a running back, there's value there in the fifth round. And that's leverage that you can use against Joe Mixon in a potential contract holdout. But like you said, you know, Joe Burrow loved utilizing Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I think if you add Gibson to the mix, you have Mixon become that new Edwards Hilaire who's just that receiving back who, who isn't 
charged in pass protection. And then you have Gibson being your more traditional running back who just takes it up between the tackles. It might it might make Joe Mixon just a better overall and more valuable player. And it might have him see his value worth with the Bengals up a little bit more for what they want to do and what they should do in building the offense around Joe Burrow. And you have Gibson with that size and speed combo. He becomes insurance in case Rodney Harris can never stay healthy. It just basically solidifies the rest of the running back room. But like you said, not before the fourth round. And unfortunately, I'm not sure he gets out of that range. Look at look at this, John. I'm sharing the screen for those joining live. Look at the numbers. I said 77 plays from scrimmage. I was right on that number. Didn't have the exact numbers in terms of yardage, et cetera. 1,200 yards, 1,203 yards from scrimmage, 15.6 yards per play, 14 total touchdowns. Now, primarily, that stuff has has come – the bulk of it has come from receiving last year, 38 catches, 735 yards, close to a 20-yard per catch average with eight touchdowns. You have the 369 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, 11.2 yards per carry. That's that's where it makes this guy just so tempting. And like I said, I, I think I, I, I would not be comfortable – before day three and I would really kind of see it as still a little bit of a reach in terms of round four for the Bengals needs that that is and I know we like to say don't draft for need you gotta you gotta often take the best player available maybe that maybe this guy falls into that I just see him as a fun piece in a Zach Taylor offense that can be used in a variety of different ways and even on special teams that could give you a little sizzle especially in terms of the special teams facet, John, especially if Darius Phillips is going to have a bigger role on defense this year, which he may or may not. And especially if Alex Erickson is not going to be in the mix, either on offense or special teams, if they're looking to upgrade there, I don't know. I, I just, I see him as a fun piece to an offense. And if he's, if he's there in the fifth round, sixth round, why not take a flyer on him? He's definitely a fun piece. I think he's going to be attractive to a lot of teams who are just in better positions entering this draft with what the roster is. And he just seems like it, 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 it seems like a player that a team like the Bengals just it, they just can't afford to go after unless they address some other needs and other players to begin with. So I think the the team who drafts him will be a, a team that will utilize him to the best of his abilities, hopefully. And yeah, if the Bengals have the opportunity when when it's the right time. Sure, because, I mean, there's nothing really to, to hate about that as long as you have drafted good players before him and, and are in a good shape to add him to the roster because he is fun to watch and he is fun with the ball in his hands and that there's just an attractiveness to that. So if they have the opportunity when it's right, great, because they, it gives you leverage and it gives you um, other options in case Joe Mixon decides to sit this year out. We There's a question um, in our YouTube chat. Erickson got cut. No, we did not get cut, but... There might be, and we don't know. He's not safe. He's not safe. Let's right. Be that, that's where I'm getting at. You bring A.J. Green back, Auden Tate's going to have a higher profile role. We think the Bengals are going to draft a receiver within the first three rounds of this year's class. You know, you either you got a new quarterback, you've got two guys that were basically Pro Bowl-type candidates as return men last year, and Brandon Wilson and Darius Phillips. Um, you're just kind of starting to see the role – for in the fit for Erickson decrease a little bit. Now we could be totally off base on that, but if you're, we're just kind of reading tea leaves here, he is on the team. There's no, there's no news to break on that. I, I just foresee him being a bubble guy coming up here. And, and that's where a guy like Gibson may be able to fill a couple of different voids there. 
This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're going to drop the mic and get out of here in just a second. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody to get the show however you may prefer it, whether it's on any number of audio platforms that we offer the show on, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, YouTube, all the stuff on cincyjungle.com. Um, subscribe to our channels, get notified when we go live and when new material is available, and check out the other shows on the Cincy Jungle slate of podcasts, including Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk and Orange is the New Black from Ace Boogie and Zim Hude, as well as, sorry if I spit when I speak, by Hoji Smoji and Daddy-O McDuke, and my esteemed co-host occasionally goes on that show or somewhat regularly goes on that show. So check out all that stuff. If you, you can get all kinds of John Sheeran all throughout the week. <laughs> I like the wink there. That was, that, was, that was nice. Get the show how we can. We appreciate the support. John, let's drop the mic and get out of here. And for me, it's mostly going to be announcements, but I wanted to see if you had something else specific you wanted to get off your chest before we jet on out of here. Well, I don't necessarily want to do it, but uh, I guess I got to get up and do this dance. Oh, he's going to do the shuffle. Spikes, so I just have a roll of tape that I used to tape up these two beautiful faces on the wall here. So um, I think you start like this. Yep. And you go to the side. And I think you go one more. And you kind of like pump it up. And then, yeah. That was good. That was good. You did, you did good. For a guy that, that was born after the shuffle was was I've seen a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good, man. I don't know if especially with the with the tight space there. That was pretty good. It wasn't better than Paul Brown's rendition, but I'll no. I'll take second there. No. And then some some of them do the the afterward. They were I, I don't know. There's a lot of different renditions to it. Any more any more beverages for that? Yeah, and uh you know, I did a lot of people are like cold cuts. I'm not going to, that poor guy probably hears the cold cut stuff all the time. I, <laughs> I was not about to ask him about that. So thanks to Icky Woods. Good, good shuffle, John. Thanks to Icky Woods for joining us. And as I mentioned, he joined us courtesy of new era hats, check out the lid here and check out the other styles of lids that they have on NewEra.com. Get your draft hat. They are still shipping out. Even with all this, these issues, they are still shipping out and you should be able to receive yours by the time the draft hits. So you got to act fast on that, though. So go get those. They are awesome. They are comfortable. And New Era has been a great friend to this show for, gosh, I think like three years now, um, really since its inception. So thank you to New Era. Thanks to Keith over there at New Era for working with us. And previously, his predecessor, Alex, um, no longer with New Era, but still a great guy who took care of us before, too. So hope you enjoyed that interview, courtesy of New Era. And again, another Tip of that new air cap to Mike Holbrook, our listener, for hooking us up there. Now, John, housekeeping items before we get out of here. I guess we couldn't really do this at the beginning because we had our special guest. But there is a lot to cover here. And we're going to try and get through this quick before, you know, before we go too long and as we go into draft week. And f- please tell me if I forget anything or if you have other suggestions you want to talk about on air, let's do it. But late this week. We're going to try and do a listener questions episode if you're game, John. Mm-hmm. Probably Friday afternoon. Yeah. We will do that. We got people dying for that. So, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. We on next week, we're going to try probably on Monday or Tuesday. We are going to attempt to do some form of a roundtable type of show with the other co hosts that I mentioned Matt Minnick, Zim Hude, Ace Boogie, maybe even Daddy O. McDuke. We'll see. Um, he's on a very different. Uh, schedule than than we are, but 
We are trying to get some form of a round table, um, maybe even a, a shorter episode there. We're going to try and do that. Okay. Then on Monday, as of te- it's tentatively set right now on Monday, the gentleman right over John's, I, I think it's his left shoulder, the face right there. He will be joining us on Monday at, Currently set at Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, a live interview with Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz on this show. He's going to be talking about the draft. He's going to be talking about the Bengals. He's going to be talking about his time with the team. Maybe I'll get him to talk a little USC Trojans because I got I to gotta ask him a question or two on that. But he will be joining us. He is the fourth guy, the fourth guy from the 1988 AFC Championship team in the last like two months that, have, that has joined this program. I, I can't believe it. Anthony Munoz is, is set to be on this program. He also has a charitable endeavor, his own foundation that he wants some support with as well. And we want to support him on that. So we will have Anthony Munoz on Monday. Can't believe I'm saying that super stoked about that. John, we've been asked a lot of questions here too. Are you guys going to do a mock draft with your permission? Yes. Next week, we will do a, a mock draft on Wednesday, our final mock draft, and we'll try and do it through one of the, the draft engines that are out there. So we will do that on next week's show. We are also tentatively set next week to potentially be joined by James Rapine, who has now rejoined the Cincinnati media to cover the Cincinnati Bengals for Sports Illustrated. So he will probably he'll, – he'll either be joining us this coming Wednesday or the Wednesday following, but I think we're going to get them this Wednesday to kick off the show. Then we're going to do our mock draft and that'll be our Wednesday show. Then a little bit TBD here, but we will be coming to you live on Thursday night reaction to the number one pick, probably streaming the TV feed of the live announcement of the pick. We're going to try and do that for you. And we won't say a word. We're just going to let the announcement happen. And then we'll talk about it, and we'll talk for a few picks there. We'll be coming at you probably. John, what do you think on, on night two? Do you want to do both rounds? Do you want to do one at the end of the night? What are you thinking? I'm thinking that we watch the second round, and then when they pick at the top of the third, we can maybe go on live there and react Good. to both of them. I like it. But we'll yeah. do that. So we'll, do, we'll go live top of the third round and talk about the picks. Granted – we may move around if the Bengals move around. So we may move right. around our scheduling. So that's why it's a little tentative, but we will be coming to you on Friday night as well, talking about the picks in rounds two and three. Then Saturday, we will have a wrap up show. Um, and, and we'll talk about that in the meantime, other programming. I know Matt Minnick's going to break down film of each of the picks. He's going to do that. So that'll be on our channels and on cincyjungle.com. We'll try and get more interviews from either the the players that get picked or uh, you know other other Bengals media members that sort of thing we will try and do that and i know that the other podcasts are also doing some of their own shows reactions breaking down of picks that sort of thing so we will be hammering you with all kinds of stuff on the podcast and we will all that stuff is going to be on cincyjungle.com along with other news, opinions, analysis, breaking news, all that stuff. There's going to be a lot to talk about, and we're going to try. We're basically working almost every day of the week on the podcast and on the on the site next week. Um, we may even come to you Sunday because there's undrafted free agents that follow the, the, the process. So there may be even a, a little bit of an announcement show there too. So 
Mm-hmm. Right now, that's what we've got on tap. We've got listener questions Friday. We've got a show to be determined Monday or Tuesday, a roundtable show with the rest of the Cincy Jungle podcast crew. We've got Anthony Munoz set to join us tentatively on Monday afternoon. So uh, we're, we're lot. We've been in discussions today on that. So we're locking that in right now. That's what's been committed to. So join us for that. We'll be giving you our usual Wednesday show with a mock draft and probably James Rapine and then a number of other shows breaking down all of the other picks. So that's what we've got on tap. Whew. Anything I missed, John? No, man. And we need to do all this stuff because this is the last glimpse of sports that we might have for a while. So we're going to maximize off of it. Uh, yep. Yep. And uh, should make for an interesting week, not only because of the content, but just really the format of the draft, you know, um, mm-hmm. virtual and all of that. It just, it's going to make for an interesting week to, to dissect all that. So. Like, like I'm, I'm like the same as Roger Goodell now. I'm in my basement. That's right. Here for me. That's exactly what he's going to be doing. Like, we're no different than everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> we are on the Goodell level. I love it. Well, that's that's going to do it in terms of announcements. We we teased it throughout the show, but um, we are very excited about the direction of the show and what has transpired over the past couple of months, as well as the shows that are on the other shows that are on the the channel as well. And we can't thank the listeners enough for their support. Anything else before we jump out of here, John? I got nothing, man. That was a, that was a good show. That was fun. Icky was fun. So uh, thank you. Thank you for, to him for, for doing that. Go to the JavanteWoodsFoundation.org. Go donate. Yes. yes. Even a little bit. There is a donate button on the home screen. Go donate there. Their foundation needs some help. Support Anthony Munoz's foundation when he comes on the program and tells us about it. There are others that have been on the, the program that uh, have some causes that we've tried to promote. So go go check those out. We appreciate their appearances on this show. John, it's going to be a, a busy week next week, but uh, I'll see you soon, my friend. I'll see you then, man. All right.